BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Bear market. Yes, you have heard all about the horrible performance of the stock indexes and, I mean, everything's doing poorly. The S&P 500, which is 500 of the top publicly traded companies in the U.S., fell 3.9% Monday. That's 22% down since its January peak. The NASDAQ, which is more of the tech index, has lost a third of its value since November. Cryptocurrencies, oh, the people who have been investing in cryptocurrencies, $2 trillion wiped off of their value since the peak in November of last year. Bitcoin down 65% from its trading high of 67000 at just 23000 yesterday. So what exactly is a bear market? Well, it's a Wall Street term used when an individual stock, or more commonly, the overall market, which is the indexes like the S&P and the Dow and the NASDAQ, fall by 20% or more for a long period of time. Not just a day or two, but this is serious declines because people have a perception that the market is not a good place to have their money, that there will be a downturn, there's a kind of pessimism and negative investor sentiment, and obviously investors think their money is better off doing something else than being in the market. Since World War II, bear markets have taken generally around 13 months to get from their high down to their low, so once you're in them, you're in them for a minute. And then about two and a half years, 27 months to get back to even. So we're talking about roughly a three and a half year cycle if it turns out to be a full bear and if it tends to follow the pattern. By the way, the reason that you have bear as a term is because what do bears do in winter? They hibernate. So bear symbolically represents the market in retreat. And the bull market, the opposite when things are going well, is because bulls surge or charge or race ahead. Not necessarily always to their benefit, by the way, if you know the outcome of bullfighting. But back to the point, the last bear market that we had just to prove the point that there is no known duration was 2020, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, because everybody freaked out, didn't know what was going to happen. People were in lockdowns, they were staying home, they weren't spending. But after the serious slump that that represented, things skyrocketed back for much of 2020 and 2021, which of course is now part of the problem, right? When you had that fast of a resurgence of demand that outstrips supply, which caused the inflation, which for a lot of things seems to be driving the current problems. So that short lurch down produced a quick rise up, which is in some ways responsible for the increase, which has now become the problem, which has now become the bear market that we seem to be in. But there is a positive note here. Obviously, a lot of people are going to be questioning whether to stay in the market, whether to ride it out. Have we reach the low yet? When will that happen? Okay, keep in mind, we're still above 30,000 on the Dow, right? I mean, we're still above 30,000 on the Dow. That's amazing. But also, when is the best time to own the stocks? Well, right before they go up. <laughs> and when will they go up? Uncertain. But during the bear market of 07 and 09, there were two days in there where the S&P rose by 11%. So sometimes it's okay to be there during, and certainly you want to be there right after. And the way you can be there right after is by being there right before it's right after, which means figuring out when we've kind of reached the bottom and holding or even buying at that point. Not that any of this is stock advice. I'm just telling you kind of what the history is. And now, brain-eating amoebas. No, seriously. 
The Brazos River Authority in Texas has this month announced that rising temperatures have increased the risk of Negleria fowleri, a deadly microbe that can be present in freshwater, pools, and springs. And not to be too nasty about it, but it gets up your nose, up into the brain, where it basically destroys the tissue, destroys the ability of your brain to communicate with your spinal cord, which impedes the ability of your heart and your lungs to function, and then you die. And yeah, if you do get it, it's pretty bad. It's about 97% of the time. It'll kill you once you get it, and it does so in about five to seven days. So where do you find this thing? Well, again, it's in places that tend to have a little bit warmer climate, so it's more the south. There is a concern with climate change that maybe to the north will become more susceptible. It tends to be in any warm, freshwater body. So you're talking lakes, rivers, springs, pools. There are even cases, although it's far less common, but there are cases where people have gotten it from public fountains, water parks, and tap water. The trick is it has to go up your nose, so it's more like when people do nasal flushing neti pots, that that's where you get these cases. So how worried should you be? Well, the answer is not very worried. The CDC says infections from Negleria fowlery, uh, 33 total cases between 2011 and 2020 in the United States. So that's three plus a year? Out of a nation of 300 million, so your odds are literally one in 100 million of getting this. But it's freaky and scary, and it's pretty easy to imagine how awful it would be. So, of course, people are captivated by this. The Brazos River Authority and the CDC generally say, look, you don't need to worry too much about this. You don't have to live in fear. Uh, if you are concerned, you can wear a nose clip, you can hold your nose, you can avoid submerging your head in water, and if you are in a natural setting, you can avoid stirring up the underwater sediment while you're swimming, because that's where it tends to be found more frequently. My answer is, uh, you were far more likely to die in the car on the way to the water, or by the burger, or the lettuce, or the beer, or the mailbox that wasn't installed at the right height was going to kill you on the roadside. You follow me? Like, the level of threat here is not that high. But if you're the kind of person that worries and you want to really be safe, here's what you do. You lock yourself in your high-rise, you only drink water from a straw in your mouth that's been bottled at a purifying site, and you make absolutely certain that nobody tells a good joke while you're drinking your water, because you never know when a funny might make it come out your nose the wrong way. You tell me how all that goes. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So you know how police like to say that the two most unpredictable incidents that they handle are domestic cases and traffic stops. Case in point, Michigan. Lake County Sheriff's Office were in pursuit of a suspect they later identified as Joshua Applebaum. He was allegedly driving 73 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. Cops gave pursuit. He accelerated, went through a flashing red light without stopping or slowing down. At that point, about 100 miles an hour, 98 miles an hour, according to the officers. Multiple units were involved in the chase, and eventually he crashed his car and became stuck between a couple of trees, apparently still pressing on the accelerator which they told him to stop. Officer gets near the vehicle, has his service weapon drawn just in case, points it at the suspect and says, hey man, drop the alligator. <laughs> Seriously. He had an alligator with him in the car. Oh, and $1,000 in cash in his front pocket, a small vial of alligator teeth from the pet, and another vial containing, let's just say, a red capsule that we don't know what was in it. 
But yeah, apparently the alligator was his pet, Karen, who, as you might suspect, once released, attempted to flee the scene. But according to the Facebook post from the Lake County Sheriff's Office, she was taken into custody after a short scuffle, not facing any charges at this time. They believe she was an unwilling participant during the incident and do not believe that she was ever in control of the vehicle. They managed to secure her. There's a little brief video on the Facebook page of them kind of trapping her in the woods or at least some high grass. And they get some electrical tape to wrap around her nose because, you know, the open the mouth muscles are very weak compared to the close the mouth muscles, which are incredibly strong. If you were thinking about having a pet alligator, generally it's discouraged because of the challenges of feeding them and closing them, their temperament, and also finding a veterinarian who can properly help you with it. Now, I'm sure the folks in Michigan are all worked up about this very fascinating story. I'm just telling you that here in Florida, that's just a Tuesday. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. Consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five-star review before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.